Decision Month. It's our final week. If you've turned back up this week, either you didn't hear last week or you agreed. Uh, and so either way, we're all winning. Um, but it's been a great time just talking about who we are, what we're about, where we're going into the future in this journey that we're calling for our church, Chapter 2. Chapter 2. And I uh, hope you did your homework across last week which was reading 1 Corinthians 12 and just being able to reflect on these metaphors that God uses for our life together of uh, family and body. And hopefully that just reinforced other uh, things we've been talking about. But we've been talking about our vision to be a people pursuing the way of Jesus and playing our part in his story uh, and just how important that is, that we want to be followers of Jesus. We want to see our lives being transformed into his likeness and playing our part in what he's put us on this earth for. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 says that you are, we are Christ's masterpiece and we are being created anew in Christ Jesus for the good works prepared for us since long ago. And so that's a lot of like summing up the vision. And then we've been talking about our values. If the vision is where we're going, the values are sort of guiding the journey of how we get there. They're the riverbanks sort of guiding the flow of God among us. And we've talked about our value of aroha or of love, that we want to measure our progress by becoming people of love. We've talked about Rongapai, or the gospel and mission, and about how we want to be people who are about the whole story of God, not just the altical version, but the whole story of Jesus. It's good news because it fulfills the story of Israel and the story of Eden, and we're now wrapped up in that story. We want to be people that embody the story. We sung this morning about witnessing to that story. We want to, uh, the next value was. Um, Tikanga Wairua, that we want to be people of spiritual practices, and we need to know this as we uh, engage with church, that we will never grow bigger than our private and our personal spiritual practices, that they are essential in shaping our life in Christ. And so I want to encourage us to keep exploring in them, trying again, trying new things, because there's n everything that flows out of an intimacy with God means that there's a transformation that comes from the inside out. And then last week, we talked about phenomenatanga, or togetherness, our value for that. The, the metaphor for church isn't an audience, it isn't a time, it isn't a building, it isn't a place, but the, meta, the number one metaphor in the scripture is a family. It's a body, that we are in this together, and we need to live our life together in a certain way, and that we all have things to contribute, we all have a part to play in the family of God. Everybody has a place, which is awesome. And today, we're going to wrap it up with our final value, our final value. This is the value that's the easiest, I think, maybe other than love, to convince people in New Zealand of, at least. And it's this value, it's authenticity, authenticity, or tuturutanga. Tutututanga, authenticity. Authenticity is like our craving. So we're going to talk about authenticity today. If you've got a Bible, you've brought it in real life, paper version or your phone or whatever, we're going to be in Romans 12, just as a heads up of where we're going to go. So you've got time to flick there and find it. I don't know what page it's on in your Bible, but it's near the back somewhere. Romans 12. Authenticity. Authenticity is our craving. And I think we need to acknowledge, especially in Kiwi culture, authenticity is our craving. You go to other cultures, they don't crave it as much as Kiwis crave authenticity. I don't know if it's because we have a high BS meter. 
You know, like we're, we're sort of that way, or if just we're like slightly cynical in the way we're born and bred, but we have a high craving for authenticity. If I just say authentic, people are like, mmm, yes, that, that's what I want. I want genuine, yes, that, there's like this body of language, right? Authenticity, genuine, grounded, down to earth, real. These are, these are good words in our culture. We love the idea. We don't really know what it means. Like we've got these different like cliches that we, so when people are true to themselves, you're like, what does that mean? Who gets to decide who themselves is? Um, who gets to determine that? But we, we have a, a, a craving for it. And it wouldn't be surprising that we crave these things because we live in a culture where, um, you know, where we're probably quite removed from our stories like, by and large, most people don't really know stories beyond one generation ago. They don't have ideas of their ancestry. It's why things like Ancestor.com are, like, hugely popular, you know, and only growing in popularity because we don't know where we've come from. We don't know. People have to do those DNA tests and figure out where they've come from. Well, if actually we just did families better, we'd probably know. But, uh, you know, there's this, this sense that we've been removed from our stories, so there's an appetite to try and discover our stories. Or maybe we crave authenticity a lot in our culture because it's never been easier than uh, in any other time to actually portray a version of ourselves that's false. Through things like social media, we can have people thinking our life is something other than what it actually is. And these things have us desiring more and more, like, no, where's the true self? Where's Maybe it's just that we're so busy and there's so much pressure that we actually just feel so removed from ourselves sometimes and living out of our core convictions that, you know, we're just being pushed all the time and we're reacting all the time. We wake up in the morning and our, we first turn to our phone before we even turn to our thoughts, that we just feel like it's, it's hard to even live authentically. So when we see it, we love it because we know we need it. Authenticity creates a sense of trust, a sense of safety, a freedom to be ourselves. Um, if you've been around Curate for a while and you notice my footwear, you'll notice I have lots of different types of shoes. We'll just point them out today. Uh, but, you know, I have fun shoes and sensible shoes. I just have shoes. And uh, Katie has a lot of shoes, but I'm, I'm really pushing her for space in the wardrobe, shoe space. And I uh, lost respect for all of the males in the room, but that's okay. I've got respect from all the females, and that's good. <laughs> I have a lot of shoes. Anyway, I like them. It's fine. I like options. But one of the places I buy shoes from online is this uh, website called StockX. And uh, yeah, oh yeah, okay, StockX. And uh, what it is, it's a resale website where people like sell the shoes that they have and other streetwear sort of items. And I hunt around every now and then for bargains that I can find or things that you wouldn't find in the shop. And when you buy them, like the biggest risk factor in buying something from someone in online is that it's a counterfeit, right? That's the, biggest, that's the biggest risk. So StockX has figured this whole thing out. When you buy it, they don't send it to you, the people selling it, they send it to StockX. And StockX authenticates it and makes sure that it is exactly what they said it was, that it's the genuine thing. And if it is, they put a special little green tag on it and then they ship it off to you, the buyer, and they charge your account. 
And that idea of something being authenticated, I think is like what all of us are craving for from other people in, their, in our lives, that who they present themselves to be, who they say they are, who they're hoping people believe they are is who they actually are. And when we have that sense from somebody, there's a sense that we lean in and we trust that because they're authenticated. What's on the inside is what you're getting on the outside, and we know that. But when we don't get that sense from people, when we don't get that vibe from people, we, we hold them at arm's length. We keep them at a distance. We relate to them very differently. And so all of us can, can hopefully agree that authenticity is essential for human trust. It's essential for relational strength. And if that is the case, it's essential for the church, for us collectively and individually to be people who pursue a life of authenticity, of genuineness, of being down to earth, of being grounded, of being real. Otherwise, we look like a wish advertisement online. Have you ever been scrolling online and seen an advertisement for wish? It's wishing you would buy something off them that you never knew you could get so cheap. It's like this genuine thing. It's like this $1,000 golf club, $33. This whatever it is you've been looking for, whatever it knows what you've been searching, you know, and it shows you these things on this website. I remember Katie bought something off Wish one time. She thought she was getting these awesome, these awesome like um, picnic plates like these plastic picnic plates, dinner plate size. She thought they were going to be awesome for our, our summer of camping. They turned up and they were this big. <laughs> Wish, it's not authentic. And that's why most people here have probably seen the advertisement but never bought anything off it. Because you can't trust it. It doesn't, it's how it presents is not actually what it is. And the church cannot be that way. Sometimes that's how people feel about the church. They, they thought it would be friendly, but the person next to them ignored them. Or they thought it would be accepting because it's a place of love, but all they experienced was judgment. They thought these people would really care, but it turns out they had too much of their own stuff going on to express that care. And that just cannot be what people experience from our lives gathered or our lives scattered. Romans 12 verse 9, I said we'd get to Romans. Romans 12 verse 9 says this, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Don't just pretend to love others, but really love them. In other translations, like in the ESV, it says, let your love be genuine. Let your love be genuine. The word genuine, this really love them, it's the word that is the opposite to hypocrisy. It's the opposite to acting. It's the opposite to pretending. It's funny how in a culture that craves authenticity, we praise actors. Isn't it interesting that the heroes of a culture that, that loves authenticity makes a hero of the people that spend their whole life pretending to be someone they're not? And this is some of our tensions and this understanding of this word, but this word is so key not being a hypocrite, not being a stage actor, being genuine, being authentic, because otherwise, all of the things I've talked about for the last five weeks, they're rubbish. If all they do is get written on the wall of the church, but never written on the hearts and the actions of the people who call that church home, they're no good to any of us. 
Their idea is, is that values don't need to be written on the walls if they're actually written in the hearts. I was at, um, this is going back a few years ago, I was at a hire shop, and I won't say which one, but there's only like two or three. So, uh, you know, take a guess. And I was going to hire something one day, I don't know, it was probably like a vibrating compactor or something like, that's just the sort of tool that you wouldn't have. And uh, I was hiring it, and it was just the greatest irony, because behind the counter, as I was waiting to be served, was the company's values. Just a little tip, if you own a company, don't put the values right behind the counter, okay? Because because I wouldn't have expected much going to the hire shop if it wasn't for the values right behind the counter that read, excellence in service. Then I went, customer comes first. Professionalism served in a timely manner. And as I waited at the counter for over 10 minutes <laughs> without a single person acknowledging me, I realized it's got nothing to do with what you write on the wall. It's got everything to do with what's written in the hearts and the behaviors of the people who call that organization home. And that is why we're finishing our values with authenticity. Authenticity, as I've said, is all about congruency. It's all about, it's not a vibe. You know, people talk about it, man, I just, you're so authentic. It's like we get a vibe from people, like they're authentic. I don't want to talk about how we have a vibe of it. I don't care about the vibe. I want to talk about how we actually have it. Because it's, we can demystify, it feels like it's a mystical word, but it doesn't have to stay mystical. There's actually real substance to how we become authentic people, how we become authentic followers of Jesus. And that's what we want, that within this body, there's huge diversity. And if it's ever going to be cherished, it's going to be because we can live out this value. If we're going to have unity, it's because we can live out this value. If people are going to experience love from us, it's because we know how to live out this value. So let's go back. We were, we, I said Romans 12, 9. We're going to go back to Romans 12, 3 to get some context to this verse. And in the context, actually has a key of how we become authentic people. I've got three things we're going to talk about that if we can pursue them, they'll help us become authentic people. Romans 12, 3 says this, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think, of you, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Very, just notice that word for a sec, by the faith God has given us. It doesn't say by the faith God has given you. Okay, so let's just because we'll come back to there. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, this is like last week's message, so it is, is with Christ's body, we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. The first point I want to make is that if we want to be authentic, authenticity equals humility. Authenticity equals humility. You would have never met somebody who's full of pride who you perceive to also be authentic. Pride and authenticity never travel together. And this says, do not think too highly of yourselves, but measure yourself according to the faith God has given us. And I want to say here, this, this is where most people misinterpret this. They read this verse and say, that's cool, so I've got to figure out how much, I ha how much faith I have in comparison to you, and if I've got more faith, then I can think of myself a little bit more highly than you. 
Because that's how it could easily be perceived to be read. Don't think of yourself more highly than you are, but think of yourself according to the measure of faith God has given, not you, us. And so what it's not talking about is not talking about we line everybody up and we decide out of 10 how much faith everybody's been given. Oh, you're an eight, good on you. Three, you can sit there. Uh, you know, it's, it's got nothing to do with that. It's not talking about like how much you have in the jar. Think of yourself according to that. It's actually talking about all of us should measure ourselves against the standard of faith. It's like, it's the standard, it's the ruler, it's, it's what we measure up to, because it's not the faith we were given individually, it's the faith of us. And it's actually asking us, don't think too highly of yourself, but measure up, think of yourselves according to measuring up to faith. Is that making sense? It's like when you go to, the, to, go, um, to a, a theme park, it doesn't matter how tall you are, as long as you're taller than you need to be. Right? It's got, it doesn't matter how much you max out over that. It's irrelevant. They couldn't care less. It's just do you measure up. And this is what it's saying. Do not think too highly of yourselves because remember, it's only because of faith that we all measure up. That's what it's saying. It's saying at the foot of the cross, oh, we're all the same. We might have different gifts. We might have different roles. We might have different stories. We might have different sins. We might have different struggles. But when we come to Jesus in faith, man, we all stand on an equal ground there. This is humility. Humility is understanding what, how to think of ourselves in context of others and of the Lord himself. We're all the same at the foot of the cross. You cannot be full of pride and full of authenticity. Why is that? Because none of us are that good to be that proud. At the foot of the cross, we all realize we have sins. At the foot of the cross, we all realize we are in need of mercy. At the foot of the cross, we all realize we are just sinners in need of saving. And any other front that we would put out to other people that would puff ourselves up, is clearly an incongruency because it's not the truth as God sees it, that we're all still sinners in need of saving. That's why they talk about um, like uh, pride and humility being space issues. Because when people are pride, we say they're full of themselves. They're full of their own opinions of themselves. They're full of their own opinions about the world. They're full of their own stuff, right? They're full of themselves. There's no space in or around them for another person to ever be considered, their thoughts to be considered. You know, they're, they're too full. There's no room. That's why they're not teachable. That's why they're horrible to work with. That's why it's really difficult to have a relationship with somebody like that because you're always just bumping into pride, but the, the deceptive part is, is pride's always blind. No prideful person ever realized they were prideful either. It's, it's really blind. And so humility is being empty of oneself. And when you're empty of oneself, you're open to God's opinion of you. When you're empty of oneself, you're open to other people teaching you and revealing things to you that you might not know yet. To be humble is to be grounded in your story. And this is the key to living out authenticity, is to be grounded in your story. I remember um, watching an interview, and it was between um, Brooke Fraser and Darlene Check. And if you don't know who that is, Darlene Check is a very like, famous worship leader, and so was Brooke, and she was coaching her, and she said, how after all of these years of worship leading, Sunday after Sunday, event after event, how do you stay like fresh 
How do you not just go through the motions? And she said, oh, the key for me is every time before I hop up on that stage to lead, I just think of who I was before Christ. I'm grounded in my story. I'm grounded in where I've come from. I'm grounded in what God's done for me. And there's something about that that gives a lot of space in our lives to God and to other people. It doesn't mean just because we're all equal, this is like a side note, but just, just because we're all equal at the foot of the cross doesn't mean that we all have to be the same. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying we have equal standing before God because we actually all have different roles to play. And that's part of the tensions that we manage. We don't have the same roles, the same gifts. You know, there's people, because otherwise people would be like, we're all, same, we're all at the same at the foot of the cross. Who, who am I to lead any of these people? Well, we've still got different roles to play. We can all be humble, but it doesn't mean that we don't have different roles. We can't let tall poppy syndrome get into the church because Romans goes on in 12.6 and it says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Every person has gifts for doing certain things well from God. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. This is not a complete list of the gifts, but it's interesting that there's seven gifts listed. So it's as if God's saying, seven is a number of perfection in the Bible. It's as if God's saying, in the body, God's given everything the body needs. You can trust that he's given everything the body needs. And humble cultures realize our need for each other. Humble cultures aren't just level at the foot of the cross. Humble cultures aren't just grounded in their story. Humble cultures realize our, our need for each other. In our vision statement, in the long version, it says that we, we dream of a church where all of the generations realize their profound need for each other. We need the old people and the young people and every person in between. We need each other. We need all of the gifts. We need all of the stories. We need everyone. But only humble people can admit they need others. And this is part of becoming authentic people. Because you can only receive from what you honor. When you realize your need for each other, you can only receive from what you honor. Do you understand what, I, what I'm saying when I say that? You can't receive salvation from Jesus until you honor him as savior. You can't receive guidance from your Lord and savior Jesus until you honor him as Lord who can give guidance. You can't receive any helpful teaching from me until you honor me as a teacher. This is getting awkward now. Uh, I can't receive encouragement from somebody that I don't honor as an encourager. I, you cannot receive from what you do not honor. And in Kiwi culture, we do honor bad. And so we receive so little from each other because we might be full of something, largely our own opinions. But humble cultures realize their need for each other. And here's the thing. Humble cultures are the only type of cultures that can ever become loving cultures. Because prideful cultures never end up in love. Because pride needs other people to prove themselves and pride needs to be perceived a certain way. And therefore, it's never free to love. Pride, pride, um, prideful cultures end up as self-righteous and judgy cultures because they forget that we're all equal at the foot of the cross. 
but humble cultures when we realize we're all accepted by God's grace and mercy at the same level, then free us up to accept others on the same basis. That we don't have a higher standard than God. We have the same standard. And therefore, humble cultures give a safe space for our next key to humility, which is vulnerability. Authenticity always equals vulnerability. Once we have a humble culture, it means we have a loving culture. Once we have a loving culture, it means that people experience acceptance, mercy, and grace from us. In that place, people can now be free to be vulnerable. What's being vulnerable? Let some of their weaknesses and their struggles be revealed. Not walking into church or walking into small group, pretending their marriage is great when it's not. Pretending that they don't have sin in their life when they do and they need help. This is when we create the safety from humility, we can start experiencing the risks of vulnerability. Because here's the cool thing. Church is the one place in the whole world where you should be able to leave your ego behind. Because in church, you don't have to, in the rest of your life, there's a sense that you might need to hustle for what you want to get. It's like you've got to prove yourself in work and you've got to make sure they notice you and your goals and whatever you're achieving. And there's a sense that you have to try, try, try to always be perceived a certain way in the world so that you can make it in the ways of the world. That's another sermon of whether or not that's right. But there's the sense that for the next, you know, six and a half days out there, that that's the sense of the way of the world. But church, we can put all of that stuff aside because we don't have to hustle for a place. God's already reserved us one. It's the one place where God's already made a place for you. He's already designated a spot for you. You don't have to try climb up the ladder to be noticed. God already notices. And he's forming other people to notice you as well. And so we don't have to jostle for position because we already have one in God's church. We can trust him. You know, our, our youngest daughter, Violet, she's got three older brothers and, you know, when you grow up with three older brothers, it's sort of like if you've ever seen Hayden Reed eat. Um, he tries his best to slow down, but he grew up with four other brothers. So he guards his meal and he gets it down as quickly as possible because you don't know if there's going to be seconds if you get there late, right? And so love him for it. Our daughter, like it's like you'll be pouring, like she's grown up with three brothers, she's got the same thing, you'll be pouring out some drinks for them or whatever, and she'll be trying to grab like the biggest because she knows she's never going to be given it. You know what I mean? And when she's trying to, but here's the thing, in all of her hustle of trying to jockey for position all the time, she ends up spilling things and annoying them and all. That's what happens in church too. But here's the place, this is the place. I'm not saying like on a Sunday you have to come and bear your whole soul, but here's the place where you can form relationships with people where you can bear your soul, where you can bear your sin, when you can bear your struggles, when you can bear your weaknesses, because this is the one place that actually believes that in all of those things, God can show himself strong. It's why friendships and small groups and relationships with pastors and trusted mentors in the family of God are essential because we need to practice vulnerability. We need to let other people in so that we can deal with things as they truly are. Otherwise, we're never going to be authentic if we're dealing with things as you're hoping people will perceive them to be. But when we can deal with things as they truly are, 
I remember as a young man, new in my faith, I remember being at a church camp, and I remember an older sort of mentor person, him sort of disappearing for a little bit at the church camp, and I was like, what the, where's he, where has he sort of gone? And when he came back, I was like, where have you been? And he said, oh, I was really struggling um, with, there's another girl, and I was feeling tempted, and he was married and at the camp, and so I needed to go speak with an older person in the church and just let him know I was struggling and just confess that, and just pray about that, and he said, and he was just like super frank, super honest about it, and he's just like, it's just amazing what taking what was in the darkness and putting it into the light just lost all of its power, and that's why the Bible says that if we would confess our sins to one another, we don't need a priest, we don't need a little wooden box with the curtain in between, confess our sins to one another, that he is faithful, and he will heal us. And we often think heal, oh, but I'm not sick. Heal in the scripture is more often talking about the sickness of sin. That theologically sin is perceived as a sickness that he heals. That's why it says uh, by his stripes we are healed. We claim it for like physical healing sometimes incorrectly because it's not actually the context of what it's talking about. It's talking about that we're healed from the sickness of sin. It's a confession. This is where, as a church, if we want to be authentic, we have to slow down with people. We have to not rush and skim. We have to go deeper. We have to ask more questions. We have to listen, and we have to love. We have to value the journey over the destination. That if church is going to be authentic, it has to be a place where we can bring our sin into the light, where we can bring our doubts to the surface, where we can bring our questions and know that they won't be uh, you know, met with cliches. Church needs to be a safe place to wrestle with the real things of life if we're actually going to change and transform and be authentic. And the last thing, the last key to authenticity is integrity, which is really like defining a word with itself because they mean very similar things. Genuine, without hypocrisy, not acting as something is perceived to be. You know, when a boat's traveling through the lake or through the ocean, you can just look at the wake to know if what's going on in the boat. If the wake is imbalanced, like one side's larger than the other, or the way the, the wash goes, you, can, you don't even need to look at the boat. You can just look at the wake and you can see if the boat is traveling well without ever seeing the boat. You understand what I'm saying? You can understand if it's sitting up like this or if it's down like that. You can, you can know a lot of things just by looking at the wake. You can know a lot of things by somebody's life by looking at the wake. The fruit of their life, the sense around them is their peace, is their anxiety, is their worry, is their fear, is their joy, is their relational health, is their, you know, whatever, we can look at a lot of things, the wake from somebody's life, and we can guess certain things about somebody's life. Not to judge, but just Jesus said that no good tree can bear bad fruit and no bad tree can bear good fruit. So there's a wake from our lives. Living our lives with integrity is actually being honest and looking at the wake that our lives living with and being like, does that line up with my convictions? If I say I value people, am I leaving behind a wake where people feel valued? 
If I say family matters, am I leaving behind a family that would say that? If I'm saying my, my, I love my wife or I love my husband, am I leaving behind a wake where they would say that too about what's going on in our lives? And so to pursue a life of integrity is to never be content with the convictions of the boat and the wake being different. Now, we're all on a journey. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about um, being dedicated through convictions to living out what we say we're about by actually ordering our life according to those convictions. Where what we say and what we do, you can be like, oh, it's not always perfect, but I can see there's an attempt to bring these things together. Here's the thing. A lot of um, emotional unhealth comes from incongruency. It comes from when we believe one thing, but we live a different direction. When we say one thing matters to us, but tomorrow we make a choice that's different. And that incongruency literally tears us apart over time. And so that's why authenticity is about these things coming together. We need, you know, we're all prone to much hooey-hooey, but we need more dewey-dewey, as the great Peter McGarvey always tells me. Here's how this works in church, though. We always need the culture to be more powerful than the system. There's no point in having friendly people on the door if we're not friendly people. There's no point in having, on having a sign on the door that says, welcome home, if when you come in here, nobody ever welcomes you to their home. And so we can organize the bits of church life as best as we can, but they're not the point. The point is what the culture actually is in the church, what people actually experience it to be. And so we need to be people who are becoming the things that we say we value, not just talking about them. And we're going to finish our little chapter of Romans here because I think it's got some great practical tips on how to pursue integrity, where it says, don't just say you love people, really love them, and then it goes on to describe about 20 things you can do to really love people. And I think if you're looking for a take-home today, this is a great place to start. You might think with humility, you could ask the question, how teachable am I? That's a good one to know how humble you are. With vulnerability, you could ask, when was the last time I shared any of my sins with anyone else? And with authenticity, we could ask, when was the last thing, time I did some of these things when it came to living with integrity? Romans 12, 9. Listen to it. Listen to the Holy Spirit, what he might be pointing out to you. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Oh, you did that in Ukraine is amazing. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. 
Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. We're all only ordinary here anyway, so that's great. Don't think that you know it all. Ooh. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. That's sort of like his way of saying God's better at it. I will take revenge and I will pay them back, says the Lord. And we know that he will only ever do that justly because he is just. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Humility plus vulnerability plus integrity equals authenticity. Let's pursue that kind of life.